Welcome, Mosaic. It's good to have you guys tonight. And, you know, it's, it's a special night tonight, like whenever, whenever it's freezing cold outside. Have you ever had one of those experiences whenever it's freezing outside and you come into a warm place and you just absolutely love it? You feel at home. That's how I feel tonight. And that's how I hope you all feel, especially if, if you're a part of the Mosaic family. Tonight, we hope that this is special and a fantastic worship service for you. If you're a visitor for the first time tonight, we want to welcome you, and we're excited that you're here. For those of us tonight, you, you know that we're an elder-led church, and we're in the process of going through a uh, new ream of elders right now. And so we want to introduce you to our new elder nominations. So if you will, just take note and listen through our new elder nominations. At this point, thank you. And in this light, thank you for faithfulness and giving each week during COVID and your extraordinary generosity to the gift. Through the gift, we were able to donate generously to ministries locally, regionally, and globally. Today, we have three new elder candidates to present to you. We're a church led by elders, and our current board has prayerfully sought the face of God as we considered all nominees presented. Please meet your new elder candidates. Hello, Fellowship. My name is Ed Parrish, and my wife is Guanaco Parrish. We've been married for 36 years, and we have three children and three grandchildren. We've lived in Northwest Arkansas now for 21 years, and I remember upon our arrival how Fellowship embraced us and we made this our church home. I'm honored to be nominated as a candidate for elder and it would be such a pleasure to uh, serve you here at Fellowship in that capacity. Hello Fellowship, my name is Joe Ross. I've been married to my wonderful wife, uh, Catherine Ross, for 42 years. We have four children, uh, all grown now, and seven grandchildren. I grew up in Northeast Arkansas, but we've been in Fayetteville for the past 30 years. I worked as a radiation oncologist and took care of cancer patients at both Narti and Highlands Oncology until I retired three years ago. I'm honored and humbled both uh, by this nomination uh, to become an elder, and I look forward to serving both you and Christ in this endeavor if elected. Hello, my name is Jim Ants. I've been married to my wonderful wife, Margaret, for 36 years. We have two adult sons, Jimmy and John, and one beautiful nine-month-old granddaughter, Hannah Lee. We've lived in Springdale for the past 34 years, and for all of that time, I've worked at Harps Food Stores, first in IT, and then in finance. We've been attending fellowship for the past 27 years. I am deeply humbled and honored to be nominated as a candidate for the Elton Board. With God's help, I will do my best to serve you in that capacity. Thank you for your consideration, and may God bless you. Thank you, gentlemen, for your willingness to be set forth as candidates for the Office of Elder. It is a tremendous responsibility to be an elder at Fellowship, and your willingness to be considered speaks highly of your character, integrity, and walk with Christ. And now we have one more thing to ask of you, Fellowship. If you are a member of our church, between now and February 22nd, please affirm these candidates by visiting the link below and follow the instructions found there. 
Thank you for your prayers and for participating in the elder nomination process. This is an important reoccurring event in the life of our church family. God bless you all. Welcome to Mosaic. Let's stand together as we go to the Lord and worship. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness. New every morn. Our sins they are many. But Riches of God. 
His mercy is more. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God. Be 
future church. Hallelujah. God be praised. He's risen from the grave. And on a rugged cross, my salvation. Where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, Alleluia. Praise and honor unto thee. Praise and honor. Mosaic, we want to give you an opportunity tonight uh, to read and reflect on some scripture and then take a moment uh, in what the scriptures call a selah, just a moment to take in what we've read and heard and respond to God. Um, and tonight, just in the silence of this space and in our own hearts.
grace is found is where you are, where you are, Lord, I am free, holiness is Christ to you for every need. Thank you for your faithful fathering of us. And we stand before you tonight grateful recipients of your love. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to be back. I appreciate the quarantine well wishes. We're safe, we're good, all the tests are just as they should be. Thank you for reaching out and offering your uh, condolences for our 10 days in pajamas and uh, all the asks of how you feeling. I kind of joked back with you, our only symptom was claustrophobia, all the family time. And then just to, just to top it off and add on, to go from 10 days of quarantine to snowmageddon that's coming... A lot of family time, a lot of family time. Felt like the Lord used the week to uh, remind me and broaden my perspective that uh, it wasn't symptomless for everybody. Uh, Pointed my heart to pray often for the families, for the friends, for the people in our community that uh, job loss, life loss, uh, it has been a significant season for many. 
It has been a significant season. And so it tuned my heart to go to the Lord once again. Um, I also felt the loss uh, in last week, just the, just the sadness of not getting to preach through Joshua 3 with you. It has been a passage that has just resonated in my soul, uh, just, just in the sweetest, in the richest, in the realness of ways. Um, again and again and again, I feel like the Lord has used the passage as I've, in my thought life and just all that he's been doing. Uh, this was my outline. I'm not going to spend uh, 30 minutes on it like Mickey did, uh, but was just astounded the stop and wait that this people, these Israel people, just 40 years prior, their forefathers, when they hit the water's edge, they were panicking, right? They were literally freaking out, and yet God brought them through a 40-year wandering period to get the, get the whining out of them, to get the comfort out of them. When this generation hits the water, they stop and they wait. And this isn't like an hour wait. It says they lodge there for three days. Serve you up a steaming hot bowl of foreshadowing, huh? They stop and they wait for the redemption of God for three days. And what happens? They see and follow. And I love how verse four says, it's because you've never been this way before. Is that validating or what? That God is saying, hey, you've never done this. This is brand new for all of you. So what's he gonna do? He's gonna send the Ark of the Covenant, the essence of God's presence, the glory of God. He's gonna send it a thousand yards, 10 football fields in front of you. And you just have to, you just have to watch where his presence is going and follow. And then he gives this phrase, this, the bookends of tomorrow and today. Israel, tomorrow there's going to be wonders. So today, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. The word for create sacred space. Meet with God. In light of tomorrow's wonders, meet with God today. Don't miss that. Don't miss that the plan of tomorrow's wonders is today's intimacy with God. It's loving God more today. And then last, the knowing step. The knowing step. You might remember the Red Sea, kind of the metaphor of salvation, the even phrase, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Armies behind a sea before and the waters, whoosh, they part. The metaphor here is a sanctification metaphor that they actually have to take their soles of their feet, hit the water, and then the water will start to move. And then step by step through the land. It's where their souls touch. They had to baby step into the river, baby step into the land for God to show them what was next. What a cool chapter, wasn't it? Well, chapter four is next. It's the chapter about the memorial stones. The title of this sermon is Remembering the Why. There was a TED Talk in 2009 done by a guy named Simon Sinek. And in it, he talks about how organizations, they go so quick to the what questions. What are we going to do? And they follow up quick with the how questions. And how are we going to get there? But oftentimes, it goes no farther, no deeper than there. And then he invites the listeners to focus on the why. The big why question, why do we do what we do? 
So the outline of the book so far, chapter one was about Joshua introducing this character, be strong and courageous. Chapter two, about Rahab. Chapter three, about at, the, at the, this side of the shore of the water. And chapter four, if you want to write it in your Bible or in your notes, it's answering the why. We will get the why moving forward throughout the book. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to chapter four? And I'm just going to read the end of it. I felt like it gave some good summary verses that kind of embody the whole chapter as a whole. And we're going to see three things that kind of poke at that why for us, give us a lot of clarity just like it gave them. I'm going to read from 21 to 24. It says this. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Those are three pretty significant whys. The first why, why would they set up stones? Why do you go and get kind of the, the big guy who can heft up a big rock on his shoulder to set up the other water's edge? Why, why do that? Why go through all the rigmarole? It's because someday you're going to be storytellers. Someday you're going to walk your children to this point. You're going to walk the next generation to this point. And you're going to see these stones and use this moment as an opportunity to retell once again the beautiful, the wonderful, the magnificent work that God did in parting the water. The poet Jack Gilbert said, the walking back was the arriving. That we would be a people just like Israel is instructed to be a people. To walk back, to remember, to see the work that God has done so that it will compel you in your next steps in moving forward. So if you've ever found yourself asking, wondering, crying out to God, what's my purpose, God? What's my calling, Lord? Maybe you haven't gone and looked at the stones lately. Maybe you haven't taken a journey back and seen that the number one why is that we would be a people that would look to the generation behind us. If you're a family person, to your kids, to your grandkids. If you're not a family person, your sphere of influence, your roommates, your neighbors, where you're at. That we would be a people that tell of the mighty hand of God. And that is calling number one. I heard a great sermon. You know what the title of it was? Dad should go to bed tired. It's because they go and they work and then they come home and they get the privilege to work. And then they get to start the third shift. It's the all night shift. 
of caring and loving and telling the wonderful deeds in the mighty hand to the next generation. And moms, somehow they fit a fourth shift in there. One of my good friends that goes to Mosaic, he calls Saturday Dadder Day. I like that kind of thinking. That's a kind of line of thinking that, that lines up with a memorial stone kind of philosophy. Planning ahead to walk back. That is the arriving. So the first why is remember. Here's a second why, and it's, it's embedded really clearly in this passage. It's the mission. It's the mission. Why go through all this? Why 30 years of wandering? Why taking over this new land? Why baby stepping the way across? Why parting the waters? Why all the hard theological questions that are going to come up from this sometimes challenging book of Joshua? The second why is the mission why that all would know. It's a compelling call that needs to transfer to our why as well. That where we work, where we live, where we play, it all comes down to this second why as well, that we would have a mission that all people would know, that we would be goers, that we would be senders. Every uh, theological question you could answer with the mission of God to reconcile the world. How do you write that over your own narrative? Even Rahab from Joshua 2, you see it from the very first word that she says, as soon as we heard, as soon as we heard that you were coming, our hearts began to melt. The mission of God, the moment their souls hit the foot, hit, hit, hit the water, that mission is being fulfilled. And it's not just about all who know, there's also a third why. The third why is devotion, that you would fear. Number one is remember and tell your kids. Number two is that all would know. Number three, that you would fear the name of the Lord. The same God who divides rivers repairs hearts. We're called to consecrate, create that sacred space before they walk across. And for all their days, every soul-touching step that they would go beyond, that they would fear the Lord. And then until now, today's plan for tomorrow's wonders is intimacy with God. It's knowing God. It is loving God. These are the whys for the book of Joshua going forward. These have also been some big whys for myself and my buddy Scott Page is going to join me on stage. We have been in this Jordan River kind of moment. Joshua 3 and 4, it's almost been like a bow that we've tied and seen, just the beautiful handiwork of God over these last several weeks. We've been waiting, we have been watching, the Lord has been leading, and we can vulnerably say, because we have not been this way before. And yet God, his glory, his presence has gone before us. And so by means of telling the story to you, we would just share it almost like a domino kind of metaphor story. One little domino brick tipping at a time that doesn't even start in the last couple of weeks. It goes from decades to weeks to days. So Scott, start a decade ago or so for us. 
You know, sometimes you think those, those dominoes are tiny dominoes that you pull out of a box, and sometimes they're as big as the rocks at Stonehenge that you've got to push down. And for me, the dominoes really started falling about 20 years ago when I went home to my wife and I said, hey, they're starting an internship at Fellowship called Church Planting and Resourcing. What if we quit our job for two years and went into this? As we prayed and thought about it and, and looked at the numbers and it didn't match up, we had to take a faith step. But that, that phrase that we hear all the time kept coming back to us. You've got to love God, you've got to love people, and you've got to make disciples. And so we thought this would be a two-year learning process for us, that we'd move into a space where we could really learn to love God, love people, make disciples, and we'd just go back into the workforce, and we'd be so much more equipped. And then maybe someday we could plant a church somewhere. So that's really the first domino falling for us. Well, fellowship was growing like crazy at the time, and they had needs, and so uh, I became the next Rogers community pastor. But there was a guy that was in my church planning and resourcing class named Wes Wallace. And Wes Wallace was the founding pastor of Samaritan Fellowship. And so Wes needed some time off teaching, and so I'd go over there, and I'd teach some and, and relieve him. And, and since we had community groups here at Fellowship that, that could help out and serve a meal over there, we started doing that. And that's how Molly and I first engaged in Samaritan Fellowship and Samaritan Community Center. And then at my next domino that was absolutely transforming for me is that me and some friends of mine who, who Molly and I consider today our spiritual family, when, when we went to a conference called the Idea Camp in Washington, D.C., and we heard uh, a gentleman tell the story of the Good Samaritan in a way that I'd never heard it before. He said, a, a person, a Samaritan and, and the traveler that day your neighbor is someone that looks different than you. Your neighbor is someone that crosses your path and is in need and is different than you. And that just put me in awe. That knocked me kind of back. And he said, and, and when the Samaritan took his traveler, his new friend, to the inn, paid his debt, and said, when I come back, when I return, so he built a relationship with this traveler. And we know the, the phrase around here is the gospel travels the road of relationships. He said, when I come back and I take care of my friend, I'll pay you what I owe and I'll take care of him. And it, it hit me and impacted me that, man, this isn't, serving is not some kind of check the box thing that we can do. Serving is building a relationship and intentionally engaging and spending time with. It was a huge domino that fell. So I came home, started talking to Robert, and Robert has always been so gracious with me and said, wow, seems like the Holy Spirit has really touched your heart. I have no idea what God's gonna do with you, but it seems like it ought to be big. And that was about 10 years ago, Matt, and so many things happened through that. Uh, we tried to do a church plan. I, I left fellowship staff at that point, went into the job market, and you guys have heard a lot of that story. If you want to know more, know more in depth, we can, we can talk about that later for time's sake, but that's about what happened 10 years ago. 
Yeah, my, uh, my domino decade ago was uh, when the Mosaic Leadership sent me to Seattle for a year for an Acts 29 missional leadership program. Um, and I was working on my thesis paper that was getting, uh, getting the instruction from the instructor. And he shared this quote from Frederick Buner. He said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I've never heard it like that before. And I asked the question, wow, what's my deep gladness? And then I was a little bit even ashamed to say, where I live, what is, what is the world's deep hunger? And so he gives us a thesis assignment. It's this, what would you do to change your community? To change the heart and soul of your community, what would you do? And guess what my thesis paper was? It was from the devotional I had that morning from John 17 to plant a local missional church that would live as one, live by the word, live as sent. Worship, connection, mission. And that it would restore this heart, this soul of what God is doing here. And I went home, I came home from Seattle and I remember the street. I was driving down Bacchus towards 71B. AQ Chicken is right there. And it was like the blinders on, on my eyes fell off. I started to see apartment complexes I never saw before. I started to see the multi-ethnic community that was around me. I started to actually, my heart broke, my deep gladness raised and my heart broke for the deep hunger that was in my local neighborhood. God did something. That was a first domino tip for me. The next domino uh, came about, what was it, Matt? A year ago. A year ago. Mm -hmm. A year ago, as, as the elder parameters came out, we sat down, and, and that's kind of our planning process around here. The elders ask us to dream five years out, and they show us their dreams five years out. Then they ask us to, to plan for two. How are you going to reach those two years down the road? And then one year, we actually have to put that process to one year. So uh, a year ago, the elders came back with their five-year dream space, and they really wanted us to reach into areas of Northwest Arkansas that weren't currently being reached. And so we were supposed to go back as a staff team and really dream towards it. How could that happen? How could we as larger congregations get smaller in order to reach areas of Northwest Arkansas that weren't currently being reached? And Mosaic staff just got super, super excited about that. So we went away and, and did a planning retreat and as we did that planning retreat, we just, we just asked deep questions, and, and everybody started thinking about what would it look like to go in, in different sections of the town where, where there were undervalued and, and overlooked communities, people that weren't currently being reached, people that uh, necessarily might not come on to the fellowship campus. Northwest Arkansas is so large and is growing. There are people that, believe it or not, don't even know about Fellowship Bible Church. We know it. We've been coming here for years, but there are so many that don't. And so what does it look like for us to go? So those were the type of questions that we started asking. And then there was this disruption that was happening through this whole process called COVID. And so we had to start asking deeper questions of who are we as a family? Who are we as a person? Who are we as a church? 
and where do we go from here? Yeah, we didn't know how these next dominoes were going to fall. Um, and so when the one right around Thanksgiving tipped, it would be uh, minimizing it to say that it wasn't quite the surprise. Um, something that we were grateful, but we were shocked by. Uh, Samaritan Fellowship, if you're familiar with them, they gather in the Rogers 102 Samaritan Community Center and down across from AQ Chicken, um, right at the kitty corner of, of Bacchus and 71B. Um, they gather in those community centers and they scatter into the overlooked and undervalued neighborhoods directly around them. And they approached our elder board for a conversation and a time of prayer to ask, what would it look like for them to experience a replanting strategy, almost to come underneath the fellowship umbrella to send teams from fellowship to join, to refresh their congregation that is already there with a vision of restoring the heart and soul of those specific neighborhoods, those unique and beautiful people in those areas. And you can imagine our response, I'm sure as much to what your response is. It was, what? <laughs> it was how in the world would we possibly go about this? Not just because of COVID, but be just how, how do you even go about something so big? But it was the work of God and the leadership of our elders and our leadership team that continued to ask the why question, the kingdom moving bigger why question. The why question, if we went back to, to just tonight's sermon, Israel had a mission as they entered into the land that all would know. Fellowship, our mission has always been to change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world to produce and release leaders that would go. Samaritan House wants to restore the heart and soul of neighborhoods by releasing the church to live and love like Jesus. And every time that you cast a vision of why, you hold it up, you pray for it, you live by it, every why has to be carried by a who. And so following that Thanksgiving open door opportunity that Samaritan Fellowship proposed to us, the elders of fellowship came, looked at Mosaic, saw the way that we have been dreaming, saw the way that we had been praying, and specifically asked who would be the ones that live, that reside in these neighborhoods, that could lead these replanting strategies. And so they asked if Scott Page and Rogers off of 102 and myself in Springdale would consider being sent by Mosaic to leave and replant what is Samaritan Fellowship. And after significant and slow prayer, counting the cost, considering it, we have gratefully said yes. We've returned again and again to the why. Why would God be using this in this time like this? Hey, I wanna try to, uh, as best we can, kind of wrap up this moment and meet you where I would imagine you are at, which is, whoa. How do you respond to a little bit of the unexpected? I would bring you back to the Joshua 3 and 4 story. Bring you back to the place that Scott and I and the Mosaic leadership team have been going through. And number one, when you get to the water's edge, is to sit still to wait, to seek the Lord, and to be okay to acknowledge 
we have never been this way before. Secondly, I would say be grateful for the elders' leadership. They've established a pace for us, a pace that says they're not gonna rush through this. They're not just gonna make quick decisions. Instead, uh, they have appointed Chip Jackson, who's the founding pastor of Mosaic, currently sits on the elder board and leads the training center team, that Chip, with his team of Nick Rowland and Will Blanchard, would be almost a transition team to help Mosaic pray and process not just how to be the best senders, but what that future of Mosaic looks like as a healthy and a vibrant church moving forward. The when, we're gonna take this spring to begin building core teams. Members in this body that say we too want to own a restoring the heart and soul of these two particular neighborhoods under a mission statement of living and loving like Jesus. Here's the two questions that I've heard the most as I've just processed this with a few people. Number one question, what does that mean for Mosaic? Number two question, what does that mean for me? So let's do our best just to answer those two questions. Here's the first one. What about Mosaic? You know, for 20 years, Mosaic has been producing and releasing leaders, making disciples that hold up the banner statement of all are broken, all matter, one gets the glory. I've been here 15 years, and I feel like I've been giving a sermon on repeat that we are a group of missionaries that live and exist as a sent culture. And it was actually a really sweet thing to sit down this week and think, what are the mosaic memorial stones? What are the things that we could come back to and see how God has opened the doors and blessed us with opportunities to send, to multiply? I thought of New Heights. Jim Hall was the community pastor here. Now a vibrant and thriving church in Fayetteville. I thought of Potter's House and all the lives that have been touched by that ministry. I thought of 99 balloons, how we sent a community pastor to be a part of that mission and vision in, in the special needs community. The missionaries that have been sent to Mali, to Turkey, to so many places near and far. I thought of the training center team, both Chip and Nick, who came from this Mosaic leadership team, and now Will Blanchard, who's a part of this body who minister and serve over 300 churches across Northwest Arkansas. I thought of recently how we brought Gretchen Spear up on the stage and Ryan Chola did such a nice job of talking about her produce and release story and her sending as a worship leader to Ignite. And in the very near future, how Mark Schatzman and Seth Prim will be leading in the charge of Fellowship Bentonville, planting a church in a place where the gospel's gonna go forth transforming lives. Friends, when you go back and you look at the memorial stones, we've been writing a narrative. God has been writing a narrative of being a sent church and a sent culture. And these are just new chapters in that story. Second question. It's still okay to ask, what about me? What about me? What do I do now? The first thing that we'd like you to do is think about 10 years out. The Elders Dream 5, think about what, what, what's it going to look like in 10 years? Northwest Arkansas is going to be even bigger and, and a greater place to live. It's going to have even more needs. 
So what if in 10 years, we have three missionally-minded churches? We have Mosaic, we have Rogers in the north, we have Samaritan House in Springdale. Think about what does it look like for me to be a missionary in all these areas? The next thing is, is Matt's mentioned, consecrate ourselves as we enter into uh, the Lenten season. Think about how clarity prepared us for this. As we enter into Lenten, Ash Wednesday, I read a great quote this week, is that, is that fasting is not us giving ourselves more of God. Fasting is God getting more of us. So whether you're giving more to God, time in scripture and prayer, or you're taking more away so that you can gain more of him during this season, be praying, Lord, what is it you desire of me right now? What is it that you desire of my family? Where are you asking me to, to go to serve? Where can I be of best use to my church in Northwest Arkansas? Then we'd ask you to consider. Do you have a pioneering spirit that you would want to be a part of one of these two core teams at 102 in Rogers or, or in East Springdale? It's going to take a different spirit to go and to do and be a part of that. If you do, come talk to us. But if not, the elders have committed to Mosaic to be a thriving congregation. So please, be all in here. Be all in and do, let's, let's bring this to something that it's never been before. And that is something to do during this Lenten time. As we close and we have, we close with hope, we close with anticipation, um, we're sure that you've all got questions, that you've got uh, emotion that you may have right now. And what we'd like you to do is literally take this week, hopefully it is snowmageddon, and you take this week and you gather some questions and send those in, uh, Joy, bless her, P, pick a little heart. Send those in to Joy so that she can gather them. We're going to have creating space on uh, March the 3rd. And this will be a time that we as a community will we'll have uh, Matt and myself on there. We'll have a couple of our elders on there that we can just talk through this as a church family. And we can be there for one another through this time. So uh, that'll be March the 3rd, and here's all the information on that. Um, we also want to be here for you tonight. So if anybody wants to come up and talk tonight, we're happy to do that in between services. Uh, for those of you that this is your first time here tonight, wow, we don't do this every week, okay? About every other year. But other than that, that's what we're about, produce and release leaders. And uh, so if it's your first time, we want to know that you were here. Please uh, come up and, and introduce yourself, and we want to get you connected here at Mosaic. But for all of us, can we stand now as one body?
Lord, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you absolutely for your sovereignty. You've known this since the beginning of time. You've known this uh, for all of our lives. And for the gifts, the experiences, the wisdom that this body has, the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, Father, we have been blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for this church. Lord, may we glorify you in all that we do. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, amen. Mosaic, be safe. Have a great week.